Hey everybody, welcome to the Slick Tree Podcast. I'm your host, Colby Langford. The point of this show is to help improve ourselves as dog men and to raise the quality of the dogs on the end of our lead. So let's settle in, turn the volume up, and let's see if we can't learn a trick or two together from our guests. everybody welcome to the slick tree podcast i'm your host colby langford and today i'm here with lane denny i'm gonna pick lane's brain a little bit and get him to talk to us a little bit about him and his competition coon hounds that he's been running how you doing day lane i'm good man how you doing oh pretty good lane let's just cut to it and uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself my name's lane uh, i live in uh, oklahoma a small town in the northeastern part of the state called jay grew up around here my whole life I'm married, uh, got an awesome wife, got an awesome family, just, just a blessed man, just a simple guy. You know, I uh, I go to work and, and, and coon hunt about every night, so uh, I keep it simple, I guess. What, uh, what, what do you do for a living? I'm a uh, diesel mechanic. Oh. I work for my brother here in Grove uh, and uh, done that for off and on the last probably five years. Uh, out of college, I uh, I went to college and got associates in, in ag business and then uh, went to work for my brother, um, didn't use my degree of course you know how that deal goes but went to work for him and then I uh I done that for two years and then I got a, a job working for the Oklahoma Forest Service done that for a couple of years and then uh ended up my brother wanted me to go back to work for him so here we are you know been back at it with him for two years now so yeah, yeah. how'd you started with hunting dogs uh man I so I got started I was probably about 12 um growing up my dad coon hunted and he just done it for fun you know uh like most people and and uh he just had old grade dogs, you know, they'd tree possums and armadillos, run deer or whatever. He just done it to, to have fun with it. Well, him and my mom, their families kind of grew up knowing each other because they's from the same area. And, and uh, so, you know, just a little bit of a backstory. Coonut's kind of been part of my life before I even knew it. Um, my, my dad, my mom and dad lived about two and a half, maybe three miles away from each other. Not that far through the woods, you know, probably a mile and a half or something, but Anyways, my dad would just walk hunt his dogs all the way to my mom's house here for a few hours and turn around and walk hunt them back home, you know. So that was the kind of type of dogs he had. But So he got me into it when I was about 12. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's been game over ever since, man. I tell you, the first time I ever went hunting, I was I told myself, I'm like, I'll always have a hound at my house. It was, just, I, it was hook, line, and sinker. I knew exactly from the very first time that that dog that I went hunting with struck a track and run and treat a coon that, it was just game over. I knew it. I'm like, you know, I went home that night, told my dad, I'm like, hey, I've got to have a hound. And, and I knew it. that was that was what I was going to do. You know, I was always going to have a dog at my house. And I didn't know that it was going to take me where it has today, you know, that. but uh, but it's uh, it's crazy. It's, uh, it's a blessing. I know you've done quite a bit of winning and uh, been pretty blessed with that with your dogs. Uh, can you bring listeners up to speed a little bit on some of the stuff you've won? Yeah, so, uh, you know, like I said, got into it when I was about 12. Um just pleasure hunter. I didn't know a, coon, a competition coon hunt even existed. Uh, I just loved the dogs and just enjoyed watching them work. And um, long story short, I uh, there was a club hunt there by the house. Probably, I don't know. It was probably 15 minutes from the house. And uh, I got involved. I met a guy that was involved in that club. He's like, "Hey, you ought to come over, you know, and and uh, try it out." So I tried it out and and uh, so you know I I done the competition or the club hunts there. Um, Basically, it was just something to learn the rules with, you know, just hunt with some good guys. And, and uh, so I done that for a couple of years and and uh, ended up with a pretty good little dog and started going to some local UKC hunts uh, that uh, guys would haul me to, you know. Like I said, I was only about 14 at the time. And, and of course, you just had to go where they would go. And that's what we hunted, you know, and, and uh, was a little bit successful. I, the dog I had was, was a really good dog and is actually a blue tick. I started kind of with blue ticks and uh, – but uh, – so then in 2000, just kind of fast forward a little bit, the blue dog that I had that I was that one at a local level with ended up losing him. I didn't have a tracking system back then, so it was one of them deals. It's kind of old school, turn him loose and, and just listen to him, you know. And and but he was trailing a coon one night and he just kind of fell off the face of the earth. But uh, so fast forward a little bit to to after I got you know lost him, I was trying to look for something to replace him, and I got Emmy and. Uh, and I got her as a puppy, and and so in 2014 we won the PKC Youth World Championship with her. 
Um, and then uh, the same year, the following spring, we got in the final three of the CHKC Youth World Championship, got third. Um, and then, let's see, in 2015, uh, won the Oklahoma State UKC Championship with Emmy. And then uh, 2018, we actually uh, went to, got a truck ticket and went to Lula, Mississippi and won the PKC Senior Showdown Truck Hunt. Um, it was a huge blessing. That was definitely the biggest win I had at that time and it was it was cool but uh and then not long after that in 2019 um we uh, went to the UKC World Finals and ended up getting lucky and winning the UKC World Finals with her as well and that was kind of her last shebang you know we uh bred her a couple times in between had some good litter of puppies out of her and, and uh you know she had at that point she won I don't know right around 40 seven forty eight thousand in pkc and and then you know won the ukc world championship but uh and then you know as i just touched on the first litter we had out over i got a dog kept him his name was shot got him back and um he, i call him shot now but um and so this last spring um i won the uh pup shootout pkc pup shootout truck hunt with him so not long before i actually won that i was in the finals of another truck hunt a pro sport truck hunt uh Shot's got around, he's been in the finals of some bigger pro classics and stuff. He's got probably around 82, 83,000 won in PKC and then another six, 7,000 won in pro sport, you know. So, man, them two dogs right there have kind of paved the way for me and, and they have been a major blessing to me and my family. And they have, you know, it's it's been unreal, man. I tell you, uh, when I was a kid and I first got into this, if you'd have told me that I would be where I'm at today because of a coonhound, I'd call you a liar. I'd be like, there's no <laughs> way, you know. So, just a blessing, you know, and, 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 uh, it's, you know, the competition coon hunting has, has changed my life majorly. You know I mean? They could get rid of them tomorrow and I would still be a coon hunter, but I just, I don't know if I'd have the same type of dog that I do today. But, um, so that's, that's kind of the major wins that I've, I've, you know, been successful. I've been in the semifinals of the PKC world hunt, semifinals of PKC nationals, finals of, of, uh, ba spring baby steaks, been in the semifinals of the CHKC world hunt, that was back years ago when that was kind of a big deal and and uh, ended up in the top six there but you know been in the final several pro classics just just been blessed you know with some with some quality wins and and it was just it's just been a blessing it's it's crazy that sounds like it uh, it's a pretty impressive list of wins you got there it's definitely something to be proud of what would you say a few things that you would contribute to that success uh you know you know first first and foremost i mean i'm i just got to contribute all that to to my Lord and Savior, you know, Jesus Amen. Christ, man, I'm telling you, uh, without him, you, you know, when he's walking with you, you can literally accomplish anything, and, uh, but first and foremost, him, but, you know, secondly, it's just, just the ability, you know, growing up, my parents instilled in me, you know, anything you want to do, you want to do it with 100%, and, uh, be fully committed to it, and, and, you know, and that's that's kind of how I've been with everything in my life. And, and when I got involved in coon hunting and I got involved in the competition side of it, I told myself that was the only way I was going to be able to be as good as I could at it. And uh, so, you know, just work hard at it, you know, and, and just like anything in general, I feel like in life, the more you put into it, the more you'll get out of it. And uh, so I try to work as hard as I can at it. Every night I go hunting, I'm trying to, you know, instill something and trying to learn something, whether it be me as a handler, as a dog trainer, or trying to, you know, make the dog learn something as well each and every night you go. So just, just work hard and stay dedicated to it, you know, and, and, and even at times where, where you're putting in all the work and it may not seem like it's going to come around to you, you got to stay dedicated to it and keep faith in it, you know. And, and if you truly enjoy it, I feel like even bad times, you know, they'll, they'll come and go and you'll stay hooked with it. So mm -hmm. so shot was out of your Emmy dog. Yes, sir. Uh, you said you got him back. So did you sold him off and then, yep, and so, then end up getting him back later? Yeah, so we bred Emmy to Big Money. That was her first cross. That's what Shot's out of. Uh, Kevin Cable got him as pick of the litter. Um, Kevin owned a Big Money. Uh, we ended up getting him. Kevin sold Shot to Bradley Kelly, a boy from Indiana, and Bradley posted him for sale. I called Bradley, bought him back. Um he was a started dog when I got him. Um, he'd treat a few coons for Bradley, but Bradley's coon hunting's way better than Oklahoma coon hunting. <laughs> Indiana's way better, and and I got him back here, and we had some trouble with him. You know, we we uh, he just wasn't it. He wasn't acclimated to this, you know, and it was just one of them deals where we put in a lot of time with him. So about how old was he when you bought him back? Uh, about. 10 months old, I think. He might have been coming 11 months old. He yeah. was right between 10 and 11 months old, you know, so he was he was a young dog. I mean, he was still a baby, you know, mm -hmm. and and uh, so. 
did you want him back just off knowing what he was out of? Yeah, so at the time, I'll tell you a little backstory, back up a little bit. So I kept I kept a male dog and a female out of that cross. The female I was actually trying to sell, she wasn't colored as good, you know, she wasn't more as appealing to the eye, I guess, as what the other pups were. So she didn't sell and and the male dog, some boys in Iowa, Colton Atwell, and uh called me wanting to buy the male dog and they was like five months old, you know, six months old at the time and and I'm like, man, the female, she would she would actually go hunting with dogs. She wouldn't tree with them, but she'd go hunting, run a track. Um, the male dog was lazy. He wouldn't, he'd kind of go and come back. And I'm like, man, this female's better. Like, honestly, if I was wanting to buy one, I mean, it would be her. You know, if I was going to give you this much for a puppy, I would rather buy her. I think she's got a little better start to her. And, and uh, so they're like, nope, we want a male dog. And, of course, the male dog was pretty as a picture he looked just like emmy man he was a he an old school preacher looking dog big old houndy head on him but so anyways i sold him kept the female and it wasn't long after i sold him shot was for sale and uh, i knew i kind of most of the time in the years past i've kind of been a female type of guy like when it comes to a, a hound and i've always liked hunting females more than male dogs and but i wanted to, to try to hunt a male dog out of my female and so he come for sale and I bought him you know on a chance you know maybe see what he makes I mean because it was it was just one of them deals but so and then I sold the female to Hunter Chancellor so then I put all my time into shot at the time I was still hunting Emmy you know shot was 10 11 months old she was getting up in age um and she would have been six year old I guess you know in 2018 19 six coming seven so um you know I knew I was gonna have to start trying to look for something to replace her. I mean, six, seven, eight, too old for a dog, but at the same time, you know, anything can happen. She could pass away tomorrow, could have at the time, and then I'd have been without anything, you know. So um, so I got him and just uh, just started focusing on him, you know. But, yeah, he was, like I said, 10, 11 months old, I think, when I got him. Gotcha. What can you tell us about your normal hunting routines? So say it's a Tuesday night, you're going to go out for basically what's a pleasure hunt. Yep. Uh, what, what's that look like for you? Man, I tell you, it's uh, – it's nothing too fancy, honestly. I mean, uh, just depends, you know, depends on what I'm hunting. You know, like if I've, I've you know, shot, I'm still hunting him and, and trying to keep him in shape, you know, for the hunts coming up this spring and stuff. But if, I, if I'm if i hunting the pup out of him, I call juice, you know. But it just depends. You know, if I'm hunting shot, man, I, for the most part, uh, I, I normally just hunt one dog at a time. Um, but if I've got two dogs that both of them's finished dogs and, you know, like right now, juice is a puppy. He's 12 months old. He's out of shot. And so most time when I go, uh, I'll take shot and juice, and just just to give juice, kind of it's kind of a cast situation in a way, but it's not. You just got one other dog, but it's so he can work with that other dog and and try to teach him, you know, some things like independence, you know, not to rely on another dog. And but uh, but you know, just pleasure hunting. I I just uh, I tell you what, I I just coon hunt them. You know, uh, I'll carry a stopwatch sometimes. Honestly, sometimes I won't. It just depends. I mean. I feel like that uh, a guy can overthink it too much, you know. Uh, but the biggest thing, you know, when they're five coming six, like shot is shot's five, and biggest thing is just to hunt him and get him in shape. You know, I, you you can overwork one, you can work on one too much, and, and when they're that age, I just try to coon hunt them and keep them in shape and feed them a bunch of coons. You know, I'm I'm a firm believer in the winter time. I kill a bunch of coons to dogs, you know, and. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a reward the way I look at it. If I went to work for two weeks without getting paid, I might not show up, you know, the third <laughs> yeah. week. So, but you know, I, I'm not, I don't do nothing too fancy. Um, I do, I'm big, big, really big on recasting them. You know, I don't like drop hunting. Um, everything that I hunt, I'll recast, 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 recast as possible as much as I can. Um, because in that situation, in the hunts, you're not, you're, most guys ain't going to drop hunt you. Most guys, you're going to cut loose and hunt a spot for two hours. So, you know, you've got to be able to, them dogs have got to recast really good off them trees and, and uh, be able to go in there and get restruck and treat another coon and then recast and not, you know, but that's the, that's the one of the bigger things that I, I that I truly could say I focus on is recasting. And then everything else is just, just coon hunt them, you know, I mean, just watch them, you know, every, every time I, cut a dog loose i'm always listening watching and seeing where where i think that i that dog can improve at you know and i'm the world's worst i sometimes i i feel like dogs should be flawless but they're not they're it, they're it's spelled d-o-g it's not g-o-d you know and man it's just one of them things but at the same time i feel like if you're if you're ever going to get better you've all 
you always got to consistently try to get better every night, you know, and and every every dump for that matter, you know, every time I cut a dog loose, I'm always, man, what's he what's he doing, you know, why why is he doing this, you know, why is he doing that, you know, and and just consistently just just trying to get better, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just a coon hunter like anybody else is, but the thing is, I just uh I feel like that, you know, the competition side of it, you've always got to constantly try to become better. You always just try to get your dogs to become better, you know, each and every single night. And you've got to because the way the coonhound, competition coonhound is today, they're, they're, the dogs are so, so good. I mean, they're almost elite. I mean, every cast you draw, you're going to draw three coon triggers, you know. And and uh, so, and them guys are putting in just as much as work as you are, you know, and at the end of the day, Whoever works the hardest, you know, I feel like will uh, will get the luckiest, so to speak, you know. So, um, you know, it's just a just a big deal for me, just to just to nitpick on them dogs, you know, and try to try to try to work on them and try to see what we can improve on every single night. So, you mentioned like you will hunt the young dog Juice with Shot, working on certain things right. like like independence. Yep. Say Juice is wanting to basically pack right. up with yep. with Shot, mm-hmm. and he started getting in the habit of that. Right. What would you do? to work on him specifically for an issue like that? Every dog's different. You know, um, some dogs you can work on cutting a switch. Some dogs you can bump them with a shocker, um, you know. Uh, but, you know, it's sometimes you can do too much work to a dog too. You know, sometimes like Juice, Juice is at the point now where he was naturally independent, but every dog, you as, know as well as I do, a dog is a pack animal. Mm-hmm. You know, they they naturally want to be with dogs. So at some point in their life, you've got to work on it unless you don't care about it, you know. Hey, there's nothing wrong with a dog that packs up with dogs. I mean, if and, and some people like it. It's just something that I don't enjoy because whenever you're, whenever you're competition hunting, like I do, um, you know, every night that I do competition hunt, like I said earlier, I try to, you know, get better and better. I mean, so when you're a competition hunter, you don't want nothing to pack up. So, But what I'll do is mainly just cut, you know, have a dog get treed. If I, do, if I don't cut them together, um, if I'm con- just – trying to work on one thing like say independence i'll take a dog cut him loose and it's hard to do this by yourself so you got to have a hunt buddy but um say shot i'll let shot get treed and i'll be at that tree with my light off and i'll have somebody send juice into shot and then before juice gets there i'll be waiting on him you know and i'll grab him up cut a switch and make him get out of there make him and then just wait at that tree and if he trees a coon go kill it to him you do that you do that 10 times 15 times and them dogs will you can cut them out of dog they might go toward them dogs but they're not going to go cover them you know because they know hey if i go in there i'm gonna get my butt whipped i need mm-hmm. to go over here and treat my own coon you know so just that or or if you're by yourself you know and if a dog can take a little bit of a shock and you know i'll i'll uh cut them together and just watch them um you know if if uh, juice is over here 500 yards and shots over here 500 yards and shot gets treated and juice starts working that way when he gets 150 200 yards from him i'll go to bumping him you know just lightly and then the closer he gets the hotter it'll get for him you know and, and most generally you can bump them because when you're shocking a dog all you're doing is taking their mind away from what they got their mind mm-hmm. on you know so if that dog's got his mind on going to that dog and you go to bumping him his mind does a 360 and now he's not focused on that you know it's just it just kind of snaps him out of it and he's gonna he might go that way but might end up past the dog you know or might end up turning around and going the other way you know so it just depends on the dog I've, I've learned over the years every dog's different you have to treat every dog different you know um it's just one of them deals to where one dog you might bump him with a shocker and he might quit you he just stop i've had him um, you know, where one, you might switch and he might shut down on you, but he can take a shock. But most generally, I mean, the dogs I hunt, thankfully, have enough heart. They can take, you know, one or the other, mm-hmm. um, you know. And, and, and But the biggest thing is, too, you know, we work we work on these dogs and we ask a lot out of them. So, man, you got to be good to them and you got to reward them, pet on them, you know, love on them, you know, kill them coons, reward them. And, because if you don't and you're all the time whooping on them, they're going to be scared of you, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I've done that, too. You know, I'm young and – and dumb every day i make a mistake with dogs i mean i've i've ruined some and but the thing is i've learned you know and i just i'm constantly seeing what works on a dog what don't every dog you have to evaluate differently and i've learned that too on the point of shocking dog i went to a bird dog training seminar two-day bird dog training seminar this spring and uh the guy that was putting it on around shot collar i think the garments have like 21 or 30 some different levels of stimulation mm-hmm. but he, he would pass around the shot collar to people and say and start on one yeah. low and bump their way up. And most people would be like a 
a two or three medium. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, yeah, it's starting. I'm starting to feel it. The way he was doing it was he would put the collar on the dog, start at one low, and bump them with them just sitting there. Yes. And and soon as they flick an eye, just bump it up one little bee notch while they're just sitting there. And as soon as you see them flicker an eye or twitch an ear, turn their head mm-hmm. when you do it, anything at all like that, that's where he would start when he was actually training. Yep. And, yeah, I've heard of a and lot. And it of would guys. almost take nothing. Like you would. Yep. Like you barely even feel it yep. at that same level. All it's doing is just redirecting, like, hey, yeah, it's just, it's just like kind of flicking them real life, yeah. flicking them in the ear. It's, yep. it's not like you're just burning the hair off yeah, of them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and I've heard of guys doing that. I don't know what they call that. They call it something. I'm not a professional dog trainer, but I've heard of guys doing that, starting at a lower stimulant. Because, again, every dog's different. Some mm-hmm. dogs, you can turn that thing all the way up, man, and, and let them right, have it. And run right through it. Run right through it, you know. So, and then some of them, level two or three, and they're like, oh, hey, this don't, I don't like this, you know. So, their tolerance, every dog's tolerance mm-hmm. is different, you know. So, yeah, that's a good deal. So, what are some things that you feel like sets you apart as far as your training? Because there's a lot of people that, that run competition coon hounds, and you're cl- clearly doing something right. So, what are some things that you think might kind of set you apart? Man, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. You <laughs> you're know, getting your I, trade secrets yeah, here. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, hate, I hate trying to think of me different than anybody else. You know, I'm always – I stay as humble as I can, and – but I feel like the success I have found, I'm not saying I'm different than anybody, but I feel like the success I have found goes back to working hard, staying dedicated, never losing faith. You know, I feel like that uh, anything in life that you do, man, you've, you've just got to be fully committed to it because, and you have to put in the work, but the biggest thing is being committed to it because I don't care what you do, you know, growing up playing sports, same way. Um, there comes a time where you're going to get in a slump or, or you know, that it's just not going to, just gonna it's not gonna come back to you like you think it may come back to you but you have to stay dedicated to it but I think that at the end of the day that's the biggest thing you know I've I've never been the the myself I've never been the most talented kid growing up you know the strongest or the fastest but one thing that made me a little different than most kids was I had heart and I worked hard at it and I feel like that if you take a guy that has a dog that has potential versus a guy that's just got all the money in the world to go buy a dog. The thing is, you can go buy a good one, you know, and you can still hunt it two or three nights a week, but you take that dog that has the heart and the potential and put it, put somebody behind it that's going to hunt it six nights a week and that's going to use his head with that dog and work with that dog, I feel like he's going to get a little further with it. And I dang sure know it means way more to him. You know, I've hunted dogs for people along the years and, and been successful and I've done it with my own dogs, and it means way more to you. But, you know, the biggest thing is is, is just working hard at it um, and staying dedicated to it. And because, you know, the harder you work, the more comes back to you. You know, I'll say that probably a million times in this podcast, you know. and But, the you know, like I touched on earlier, man, you just you, you have to give thanks where, where thanks is due. And, and I'm telling you, um, you know, we, we, we sometimes people lose sight of it, but, you know, without God in our lives, without him giving me the, the blessings and the talents that he has given me, it means nothing. You know, I can't get anywhere. So, you know, but uh, I feel like, you know, just you got to work hard at it, stay dedicated to it, and always give thanks where thanks is due, you know, and that's that's our Lord and Savior. I mean, I'll say it a million times. I'm not perfect uh, by any means, but I'm telling you, I wouldn't have what I got today without him. So, Amen. you know, it's a it's a, it's a a blessing, you know. It's a, I, I just – but – like I said, I don't like bragging on myself or nothing like that. I don't feel like I'm any different than anybody else, but I just feel like I've maybe got a little luckier, you know. So, <laughs> but uh, but that's just just uh, it's just one of them deals, you know. Say you got a big hunt coming up. Say say you get a truck ticket. Yep. Got a truck hunt coming up. Yep. What's that look like? Getting getting prepared for that for you? Yeah. So I mean, you know, you have to definitely get your dog in shape, um, you know, because. The biggest thing is, is, you know, you can, I've learned this over the years too, man, you can hunt as hard as you want to hunt, go into a hunt, and you can have one as ready as you think you got one. And, but when it comes to the hunt, you cut loose with three other dogs, and you cut your dog loose, all that's out the window, you know. So, but the biggest thing is, is you have to, you have to just have your dog in shape for the most part. So going up to a big hunt, you know, I, I, I like hunting one and making sure they're in shape. Going back, like I said earlier, every dog is different. Like shot, you can hunt shot four nights a week and he's fine. Um, if you hunt him six nights a week and wear him down, 
he's not going to operate as good for you. He's still going to tree coons, but he's not going to move around and hustle because he just gets wore down. Um, but, you know, like shot, I, I've got a truck ticket with shot. We're going to go to Good Springs, Alabama in February and hunt for another truck in PKC. So, and for the last probably two weeks, shot's kind of been on easy street, hunting him a couple nights a week. So, you know, coming up in the next couple weeks, you know, January, I'll start hunting him three or four nights a week, focusing all my time on him, um, you know, getting him back in shape. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm big on rewarding them dogs, you know. So when I'm getting one ready for a hunt, I'll kill him a lot of coons, uh, you know. And, and, and every dog is different too, man. Like some dogs, you don't have to kill coons to them. But Emmy, Shot's mama, you could go a year without killing her a coon. She's fine. And then she might start slacking up on you, kill her one coon, she's good to go. Um, but Shot's the type of dog that the more you feed him, he's a dog of confidence. When that dog has confidence and, and you know, and he's confident in what he's got going on, he's a way better dog than what he is as if he don't have confidence, you know. And, and I think that's the same with most athletes. You know, you get a, you know, a good basketball player that's got confidence and he's shooting good and, and uh, playing good, then, then he's going to do better. But, uh, you know, I'll just, I'll just coon hunt one. You know, I try to focus on one dog at that point because it's hard. Like when I'm training on juice, um, when I'm training on juice and I'm hunting shot, all I'm doing with shot is using him as a training tool. Like I'm not, I'm not wondering, I'm not, I don't care what he's doing. I'm not, you know, listening to him every bark he makes. You know, I'm listening to juices, every bark juice makes, seeing how he's going to react with being with shot in the woods and, and putting all my focus in him. So when I'm trying to get a dog ready for a hunt, a big hunt, that's what I do. I put all my time and focus in him. And, you know, a couple of weeks before the hunt, something I like doing, you know, we're in, we're blessed where we're at. This is a hotbed for, for successful coon hunters. Um, there's a lot of them around here. Shine Cummins lives 45 minutes from here. You know, they just won the PKC World Hunt. Um, Brandon Gaines, he's got awesome English dogs. He lives 35 minutes from here. Braxton Wills lives right here. You know, successful youth handler. There's a lot of successful people. This is a hotbed for coon hunting. So a couple weeks before a big hunt, I'll start taking my dog over to their houses. We'll all get together and we'll put them in a cast situation mm -hmm. and work on them because, you know, them dogs, a lot of dogs are different. Some dogs, they work just as good in a cast as they do competition hunting. But you, when you're in a cast, you can't work on them, you know. So them dogs are smart. They get figured out when they get go to a hunt. They're like, oh, I'm hey, I'm at a hunt. I might be able to get away with something. Yeah, so I'll load them up and take them to my buddy's house and put them in a cast situation and and work on them, you know, and then and then they're like, oh, hey, wait a minute, you know, this 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 might be a little different deal here, but just seeing how they're going to compete, you know, and and that's the deal. I mean, you can you can go to a thirty dollar PKC hunt around here and draw a world champion, a truck winner, at a thirty dollar hunt, you know. So if you can get one good enough and ready enough to compete at a local level around here, you can go compete with them anywhere in the country. So. Um, that's something else I do leading up to a hunt. I'll start putting them in cast type situations and, and giving them coons, you know, in that situation, because like I said, dogs are smart, you know, and, and if you can keep them guessing, you know, and, and not let them figure out, Hey, I'm in a cast and dad can't do nothing to me, you know, then you're a lot better off. You're kind of ahead of the game. Mm -hmm. I feel like. So you said Emmy was a little different than shot and that she didn't really need coons fed to her. What would it look like compared to shot as far as getting her ready for like a truck hunt? Yeah. So man, I just, I would just basically coon hunt her i mean um but she was one she you kind of had to stay on her until she was about five you had to stay on her more than you do a shot um shot's kind of a more consistent type of dog than she was that was one that's kind of one difference between the two but you had to stay on her more so you know her biggest thing is 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 you know when i would hunt her i just, i don't i wouldn't have i still to this day i'd i'd I do shock them a little bit, but I try to avoid it if I can. If, you know, if I'm trying to work on one for cover and, you know, you're by yourself, you might have to bump them to keep them, you know. But anyways, I would just hunt her, you know, and kind of the same thing. But when I had her, I hunted by myself all the time. Now, where we live at now, like right now, Preston Thomas, he's here. He drove, he come down for, you know, he lives up by Kansas City. He's got good dogs. And, and we get buddies together, and we'll go coon hunting together now. And we can put them dogs in cast-type situations all the time. But when I had her, it was just, just me, you know. So I would just, I would use a stopwatch with her, you know. I would cut her loose, start my minute. 
Um, and then, you know, let her get treed, make her stay treed like you would in a cast, go get her, walk her, recut her, you know, and just, just keep doing that and recut and recut, recut and hunt her for two hours and see kind of evaluate her and see how she was looking. But it's all the same at the end of the day. You know, when I'm getting one ready for a hunt, you know, my biggest thing is I'm just trying to focus on one dog. Um, I won't take more than one. Um, I would just take her, you know, I just take shot, whatever I'm trying to work on, take them, focus on them and just work, you know, work on them. You know, every single night that I go, I'm listening to them dogs and, and seeing, Hey, what's, what are they doing? Why are they doing this? You know? And, and, uh, but I don't think I would do anything special with her, honestly, other than just coon hunter. You know, I feel like if you coon hunt one consistently, five, six nights a week, then they're expected to work for you every single night. You know, they, they, they know, you know, which a dog, most dogs look forward to dark, you know, I mean, that's what they live for. They love it. So, um, but if you're consistent with them, I feel like the more you are consistent with them, the more consistent they are with you when performance wise. Um, but you know, she was a little inconsistent and, and that's the problem with dogs today. Most of them are a little inconsistent. Um, but, uh, it's just just uh, one of them deals. I just feel like you just you just gotta hunt them, you know, and put them put them in cast type situations. I feel like that helps the dog more than anything, um, because you can take a dog by itself every night and tree coons with it, and it looks good, and you're thinking I've got one now. But then you put it with three other dogs and see how it's gonna work and operate, and it may be a whole different ball game for that dog, you know. Um, and so that's that's the biggest thing for me anyway, and a lot of guys do the same thing um you know they'll go hunting with two or three different guys and cut them loose in a cast type situation and put them in those scenarios you know so to speak and just see how they're going to work you know but uh but you know normally you know if if you know i can kind of tell when i've got one right i mean you know my biggest thing with the dog is is you know there's a few attributes i look for one you know and and if they got that and they're doing that consistently when i'm out there pleasure hunting them and especially if i've taken my buddy's house and put them in that cast type of situation and they're doing that then then i know they're ready you know so so there's probably going to be some people listening to this that are maybe bird dog guys mm-hmm. or maybe they're road hunting feist right. for squirrels uh maybe beaglers uh maybe somebody's never even been on a coon hunt never never once seen a coon tree can you tell us just what it looks like whenever you go hunt with one of your dogs just on a pleasure hunt what's it look like from the time you step out of your truck till the time you're stepping back in the truck just on average yeah uh it's peaceful (laughs) some (laughs) nights some nights you're like man i don't know why i do this you know but um for the most part man it's it's uh like i said it's it's cool to just be able to go out there and turn your dog loose you know so you know like me when i'm when I'm coon hunting, like around here, um, a lot of times I like cutting a dog. You know, I'll get them out of the dog box, you know, lead them around, kind of let them use the bathroom and stuff. So that way when you cut them loose, they ain't going to be messing around there. But, you know, I like cutting them. If I can cut them two or 300 yards from the woods, you know, cut them down an edge or something. But snap them, turn them loose. And, and uh, you know, I feel like, you know, sometimes, you know, kind of going back to what we do, what I said earlier when I'm watching them dogs, like I'll, I, some nights I do it and some nights I don't. Um, some nights I just want to turn a dog loose and listen to them work. But when I'm trying to get one ready for a hunt, I'm watching my Garmin. Like I'm watching them, seeing how they work a track and seeing how they're operating in the woods. If they're running the edge, you know, or if they're, you know, moving slower than I like one to, or if they're, because that'll tell you a lot about, you know, dogs can't tell you, hey, I'm sick or something, you know. So I feel like if a dog's not moving around, he's kind of sluggish, or if he's not operating right, he might have something wrong with him. But, you know, my biggest thing is is I just cut them loose and, and stand there and wait until they get struck, and and uh, and I won't, I won't move a muscle until they get treed because, you know, I want them to stay treed as long as they can. And the type of dogs I hunt, they're kind of bigger hunting type dogs, so they might be a half a mile from me before they do get treed. Um, so, you know, I'll stand place where I cut them and when they get treed, I'll, I'll walk to them or sometimes I'll be lazy and I'll drive around if I can, you know, so, um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, a uh, coon hunting is, it's awesome. I, if, if there's somebody out there that, that hasn't been and don't understand it and they enjoy working dogs, um, I truly, and if they don't mind staying up at night, <laughs> I truly, truly, I, 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 I influence them to go because, you know, I've watched squirrel dogs work. I've watched bird dogs work, and I enjoy it all just as much as I do coon hunting. But 
watching a coonhound the way they operate, the way they can fly through the woods, a thick set of woods at night, run a track, and tree a coon in an environment to where a coon is, you know, that's where a coon lives. Like, that's his environment. And you take a dog that don't live there, he can't see. He's obviously just got to use his nose, you know, and, and he can work through creeks and ditches and bluffs and, and, and take a track and drive it and run it and tree it. Um, it's so cool, you know, and the biggest thing is just listening to them work. You know, I, I don't think there's anything prettier than a, than a, a hound that's got a big old ball mouth on the ground that's running a track, barking every 50, 100 yards, drifting that track, and come tree to the big old locate, and he's just the ever-best tree dog. Like, that's, that's what hooked me. Um, and I feel like that, you know, if, if you've never been, if a person's never been and they enjoy working dogs, and, and like I said, they don't mind being out at night, you know, it's awesome. I feel like you got to go. It's hard to explain it just talking about it, um, but it's something that if you, in, if you got it, you do, you know, and if you love, if you love working dogs, you would probably enjoy coon hunting, you know, I mean, especially if you like listening to them, you know, I mean, because a hound, I, I love listening to a hound, it's, if they have a good, a good mouth, you know, I love it, so, but that's the biggest thing, is just, uh, just trying it, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's a blast. And on the same note, we've referenced casts and, mm-hmm. and hunting and casts, yeah. uh, could you kind of give just a quick overview on yeah. what, what, like a, a PKC hunt or a cast right. just would look like? Yeah, so, so a cast is, a it's you you go to the clubhouse and you'll you'll be a random draw and uh you'll you'll go hunting with three other people or two other people cast is normally three to four dogs four dogs at the max and you'll have a judge most local hunts you have a hunting judge and all he he's just a voting member of the cast he's got a dog in the cast too all he's doing is writing scores down basically um and uh so you know you'll draw out and you'll have a guide too your guide's more than likely going to be a hunting guide so you'll be going to his spot but you know, you'll pull up to the hunting spot there, Get everybody gets their dogs out. Um, the guide most generally says, hey, you know, if there's a fence on this property somewhere, a hog wire fence, they'll kind of tell you where it's at, or they won't hoping your dog tree's on it. <laughs> but uh, they'll kind of lay the land out, you know, and say, hey, you know, this is what we got here, guys. You know, um, you know, there's a big creek runs through this place, or there's a hog wire fence over here, or or, uh, or whatever, but, you know, you, you line the dogs up, everybody cuts them loose when the judge tells you to cut them. From the time you cut them, they have a grace period, which is a minute. A dog can open within the minute, and you don't have to strike it. Um, as a handler, that's what your job is to do, is tell the judge when your dog is struck and when your dog is treed. Um, so that grace period is a minute long. You don't have to strike if your dog opens, but you can. But if you do strike within the grace period, your dog has to show a track out to a tree. Um, which is which is a kind of a gray area in a lot of times because not every dog's gonna bark a whole lot. You know, some dogs get struck, hush, and drift a track. You know, and they might not open for two hundred yards. But that's where a good judge comes into play, and he can kind of judge and dictate whether that dog is still on the same track that he was declared struck on. That's kind of what they consider that as a babbling grace period you know because a lot of dogs you cut them loose with three other dogs they get excited and they'll bark just to be barking Um, but after that after they're declared struck there's a strike set of strike points and there's a set of tree points both of them separate and when a dog makes a tree you know you combine them so first strike this is in pkc which i guess pkc and ukc the point systems now the the same because ukc changed theirs or pkc did so strike points is 100 for the first dog declared struck, second is 75, third is 50, fourth is 25. Same thing with the tree. The first dog declared treat is 125 points. Um, PKC has a countdown after the first 30 seconds from the first dog that was declared treed, second tree position is closed. So if another dog was to come and cover that dog and tree with it, he can't get nothing but 50 points out of it, plus his strike, whatever he struck for. And then uh, after a minute, a dog can't get no points but a quarter from the first dog treat. So, and then, you know, you walk into a dog. Uh, let's just say, for instance, we're on a cast here, um, and dog A strikes for first and trees for first, and dog B is uh, 75, C is 50, uh, D is a quarter. Um, but the only dog declared treat is A. So, and his tree time's up, you know. Three minutes is up, you're going to go score that dog. A dog has to stay treed for three minutes. Um, they have to bark, you know, they have to bark treed at least once every two minutes is the way the rule reads. So if a dog, say if you tree a dog, you walk to him, he shuts up, quits treeing. As a judge, normally you kind of give them 
10 seconds, you know, five, maybe because they could be just kind of going down or going around the tree or, or some dogs might chew a little bit. They could be maybe uh-huh. chewing a little bit. So give them just, you know, five, 10 seconds. If they don't go back to tree and apply the two minutes. And if they don't bark within two minutes, they take a minus. Um, but say you proceed to the tree. Once you get to the tree, you handle the dog. Uh, you have a shine time of eight minutes. Uh, everybody can shine the tree for eight minutes. That's all the time you get. If you find a coon, you get plus points. Your striking tree gets combined, and you get plus points. If you're on a tree where there's no no coon seen and there's no way, like say it's not a hollow tree, a den, or anything, there's no way a coon could be up there, then you get minus points. But if you're in a hollow tree or during the summer, if you can't shine all the tree, you get circle points. Um, and after that dog is scored, you walk that dog a minute and you recast it. Um, and then just kind of go, I mean, it strikes, you know, and then once it gets restruck, it goes back for 25 points. This is, I'm, this is PKC rules. I'm, that I am, I'm, uh, uh, referring to, it goes back for 25 points. If everything else is struck in, if not, everything is, if not, everything is competing for first strike, you get 25 on a recast. So you recast the dog and then say, if another dog's treed, you go to its tree, score it, get it recut. And it's just, just that you're all most generally in, in a cast, you're busy walking the dogs because in today's world, dogs don't pack up, you know. Um, you're going to cut four dogs loose, and you're going to score four trees. I mean, and then, you know, and and whichever order a dog is treated in is the order you score. So, you know, if, if my dog's treated first, we'll go score him. Your dog's treated second, we'll go score him. Then the third and the fourth and then so on. But normally by the time, you know, it, these casts are so action-packed anymore, especially the bigger hunts, by the time you score the first dog, and get the second dog scored, the first dog's normally treated again somewhere because most of the time them dogs are half or three-quarters of a mile away from each other. And generally the way I look at it, when I've got my dog operating right, I want him to be treated within 15 minutes. You know, they need to be hustling good enough to be treated somewhere within 15, 20 minutes. Every 15 or 20 minutes, I want them treated. Um, Better if they tree in five minutes, awesome, you know. But on consistently, on average, I want them treed. So most generally, that's the way most dogs work, you know. I mean, they're gonna hustle around and and be treed. But by the time you get all these dogs scored, something's gonna be treed again. So you're constantly just walking and scoring trees, um, you know. And in the and there's dogs are there on a cast of dogs, you know. Every dog might tree two coons. So your strike points is kind of going to be your tiebreaker, so to speak. I mean, because whichever dog got the first strike, if he treed the most coons, he's going to win, you know. So, and that's the easiest way to explain that. At the end of two hours, whoever trees the most coons is your winner. I mean, um, sometimes it don't work that way. You might have a dog tree two coons, but might make a slick tree, make a tree where there's no coon in it. It's a minus tree, and then uh, the dog that treed one coon but stayed out of trouble and had the you know the most on his coon might end up winning the cast you know so you want a dog that's that's gonna be busy making trees that's hustling but you want a dog that's gonna stay out of trouble you know you don't want nothing that's gonna take a minus that's gonna dig you in a hole because it's hard to come out of you know because most dogs anymore when they get treed they've got coons accuracy is something that's very good in the hounds today so you want a you want a very accurate dog and you want something that's gonna stay out of trouble you know so but that's that's the kind of the logistics of it i mean the the easiest part to remember uh you know there's so much rules that go into it because there's a million scenarios that could come up you know so but the easiest thing is is just kind of what i just explained it's it's a uh, it's it's fun i mean i enjoy it it's a uh, you know it's most generally the best dog wins but sometimes it don't you know sometimes you you might have the best dog that looked the best but take a bad break and maybe a coon bells on you and you take a tree minus or something because that happens too um, so it, a lot of luck goes into it, you know, I mean, you got to have a good dog, but you got to have a lot of luck on your side too. So what advice would you have for somebody that was looking into getting into comp hunting? Maybe they're just a pleasure hunter, yeah. maybe a kid or someone mm-hmm. that's got, got a hound that they, they go, like to go out and tree yeah. coon with, but was wanting to dip their toes into right. the competition yeah. world. Yeah. My biggest thing is, is, uh, you know, I tell the guys this all the time. I, I'm fortunate enough to meet guys that just get into it and draw them, you know, in, in hunts. And, and when I draw them, I explain to them everything because I've been there. But when I was there, I, I got thrown to the wolves. Them guys didn't explain to me. They would minus me and and say, hey, here's your $30 lesson, learn the rules. But that's the biggest thing, in my opinion. Um, whether if you want to, you know, punt PKC or UKC, whatever you want to get into, get those rules and learn them. Um, because 
the biggest thing is a lot of people don't understand why something happens in a cast and they don't get explained to them and they feel like they might have took something wrong um you know uh but for the most part around here nobody's going to cheat anybody we're all buddies we have to hunt with each other night in and night out you know so but the biggest thing is is step number one i feel like is definitely know your dog i mean hands down know every dog every bark that dog makes you know why he's doing what he's doing and step number two is you know know the rules um and uh and just go if it were me what i done was i started at a local level and and just started you know learning the rules going to the hunts and 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 even just ask people like if if there's somebody that competition hunts that knows the rules like myself like if somebody wanted to get into it didn't know the rules or had a question like they can call me all the i don't care like i i would rather somebody call me and it, you know hey you know what is what uh what happens in this scenario like what rule is this like i i love helping people out because i know what it was like like i i was just a kid that when i first got into it i got thrown to the wolves you know they just said here have at it and 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 uh you know it kind of luckily i'm a competitive person so it didn't bother me that much it just lit a fire under me that i was like hey i'm gonna know these rules i'm gonna know my dog even better and I'm going to come back and I'm going to try to beat these guys, you know, and, and so that's what happened. But if there's, that's another thing is like, if you, if you don't, can't understand what's go, like the way the rules read, because there are a lot of gray areas in the rules. I mean, it's just like with anything, there's, so, there's so many scenarios that can come up in a hunt that the rules don't specify, you know, but at the end of the blue book and at the end of the UKC deals, it says use common sense and you got to do that. I mean, um, but you know, uh, just ask ask somebody that knows what's going on you know um before you go to a hunt and 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 if you if you if you got a buddy that is a competition hunter uh call him up and say hey man i want to come over let's let's get a pretend cast going and that's a, a lot of times like you know if i've got a kid that's wanting to get into competition hunting that that you know is around here or whatever um like I, i'll tell him say i'll give him a set of rules and i'll be like hey read this you know i mean anytime you got spare time read it um you know um and learn the rules and then what we'll do is when we're pleasure hunting we'll kind of act like we're on a hunt you know you strike and tree your dog and and i'll tell you hey you know um you know i'll tell you where you did right where you did wrong and we'll just kind of practice i mean it's just like nothing it's like everything else practice makes perfect with it so but uh, knowing the rules, I feel like it's a big deal because a lot of people, and some people do take bad things, you know, but for the most part, coon hunting is about 95% of the guys you draw are awesome. Like you'll, you'll, everyone, it's just, there's a bad apple in everything you do. Mm -hmm. I'd be lying if I'd said there wasn't. But the biggest thing is, is, uh, you know, just, just prepare yourself by knowing the rules because then if, say for instance, a rule comes up, and you feel like that that wasn't the right way to to score it or whatever um and if you knew that if you know the rules then you know okay hey it is or hey it's not for sure and then uh, you know there's a process that goes about that too you know so but uh you know especially if it's a kid like my biggest thing is, is just hunt with somebody that does know the rules and that's a reputable guy that isn't known for you know doing people bad i mean because at the end of the day I mean, it don't matter what you do. You gotta, you gotta do it right, and you have to do what's right. And I've cost myself a lot of money. I mean, I, by doing what was right, and nobody would have ever known any different. Um, but uh, you know, for instance, kind of getting off topic a little bit, I was at nationals, top six at nationals last year with Shot, and everybody's dogs is treated. If Shot has a coon, nobody can beat me. It puts me in the final cast. The worst I can do is get third and win ten thousand dollars. Judge sends me in to handle my dog. Walking in, I see a coon sitting across the creek from my dog. And uh, get in there, handle my dog. As I, I sat at that tree for an hour by myself. I mean, literally all I would have had to, the, the coon was 50 yards from my dog. All I would have had to do is take that dog over and tie him up. And guaranteed 10000 I just couldn't bring myself to do it, you know. But my dog was on a den tree. There's a hole. I could see a hole at the bottom of the tree. I knew it was a den. So... But I just took my chances on trying to find my coon. The coon didn't come out. I got beat. But, um, you know, I had a peace over me whenever that was over with that I never felt in my life. It was crazy. But, you know, the right person was that one that cast. That guy that beat me that night won on and won the whole thing, won $30,000, you know. So um, the biggest thing is, 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 you know, find somebody that's going to 
that's going to do it right and that's not going to teach you the wrong way too and and luckily you know i've i've found guys like that 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 showed me hey look man you don't you don't have to cheat to win like it's not what it's karma's bad and it will get you and you know do things the right way and it'll come around to you the right way too so but it's it's a it's one of them deals that's awesome the people get into it um you know I, I just hope that people new people do get into it and the sport of competition coon hunting you man there's more and more new faces like i go to the world hunt every year and it seems like every year there's 15 people i've never seen there and i love it like i'm like this is awesome because you have to have it in order to grow we've got to get new people in you know and and the sport of coon hunting is growing i mean it's getting bigger and bigger there's more and more purses you can hunt for i mean you can hunt for you know trucks you there's there's like two hundred thousand dollar hunts a year two or three of them you can win a hundred thousand dollars in one coon hunt doing it um but you know so it's awesome for new people to get into it but the biggest thing is like i said just you know know your dog know your rules and and study them study both of them you know and and just go have fun with it too you know and and uh, if you feel like you did get a bad thing don't let it discourage you you know i mean um you know there's a process for everything but if you get it i mean it's just a horrible deal if, if somebody does you bad on your first hunt you know don't let that dictate go to another one because i promise you they ain't gonna do it again most of them guys that are that way they kind of get weeded out, you know, because they'll draw the wrong person and, and that knows the rules and they'll question it, you know, whether it's a scoring of a tree or something like that, and they'll be barred, you know. So it, it's just, just one of them deals. You just can't get discouraged with it and, and just, just stick with it, you know. Yeah. Well, Lane, I uh, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, agreeing to do this podcast with me and letting us letting us do it in your home. Appreciate you yeah. inviting me down. Absolutely. I appreciate you doing it. It's awesome. You know, these things are great. You know, uh, I've done a few of them, and, and they're all good for the sport. And hopefully, you know, this reaches people that's not into coon hunting and they want to get into it. I mean, and if they do, my phone's always open, and you can call me, text me. It don't matter. I mean, I, I love seeing new people get into it, and, and especially kids. You know, it's awesome because without kids getting into it, the sport's dying, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, hopefully this – you know, these podcasts, I think they spread good news about coon hunting, and I hope they continue to do so. All right. Well, everybody take care and keep wearing out that boot leather. I just want to give everyone that's listening a sincere thank you. Getting this podcast going has been a project. I really hope you're enjoying it, and if you don't mind, give the show a good rating and review wherever you're listening to it at, or share it on your social media to help get some traction. I appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to your feedback.